Hey, have you seen my new car? It's over there. There, in the boxes. Welcome to the Ferrari Hub Podcast, where we will be talking Ferraris. And now your host, Andy Rasul. Welcome to episode four of the Ferrari Hub Podcast. Welcome back. So last week's episode, we interviewed Tom Yang, and as mentioned last week, the um, interview itself went on for quite a long time, and I didn't really want to cut anything out of it. So what I did was decided to keep it all in there and split it off into two episodes. So this is part two. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, which is episode three, go back and have a listen. And once you've listened to that, then continue on with this episode. So this episode continues on with the same thing about the 330 America that Tom purchased and restored over an eight year period. And uh, he goes into a little bit more detail about what was involved and a little bit more detail about the car as well. As with all episodes, we have a page dedicated on the website where you can go and have a look at details with regards to each podcast. So in this particular case, you can go to www.ferrarihub.com forward slash EP4. And then on that page, you'll be able to get all the information that you need with regards to this episode itself. We are also still giving away the free 22 page Ferrari ebook uh, that we've put together. And you can find that on our website. Uh, it's ferrarihub.com. And at the top, you'll see a button which says subscribe here. Subscribing is free. There's no charge for that at all. And as a thank you, we will then send you the ebook. And also by subscribing, what you will also get is a weekly newsletter, which will give you a little bit of an outline, um, just as a high level, you know, some of the you know, best conversations and best topics that have been um, posted on the site. So if you're not able to come to the site on a regular basis, uh, we'll send you the best highlights so you can see if there's anything of interest for you there. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to thank our sponsor for today. They are Supercar Italia. They're based in Biggin Hill in Kent, right by Biggin Hill Airports. They specialize in servicing, repairs and bodywork for Ferraris, Lamborghini and Maserati, as well as all types of supercars. They combine over 60 years technical know-how. They don't just work on the new cars, but they're also very familiar with the old cars as well. Having been around their workshop, I've seen them working on the new 458s, uh, right down to the old 365s and older cars than that. And they can do anything from a simple oil change on a vehicle to a full restoration. And if you are a foreign buyer and want to do a pre-purchase inspection on a car, they can arrange for the vehicle to be transported to their workshops and carry out a full inspection for you, whichever country you're based in. In their words, they are as passionate about the work on your car as you are about owning the car and driving the car. So if you want more information, check them out at supercaritalia.co.uk. Now on to the show. Just a reminder, there's no intro to the show here. We go straight into it. Just to sort of clarify for the listeners, I mean, you know, although you've you've purchased the car for 30k, um, you know, the, the cost of then restoring it has been considerable. So it's not that, you know, um, you know, you buy the car sure, and, and I you knew can that fix my it up for time, cheap. And I knew that my time was going to be free. I mean, mm. I, I knew that, you know, it was that if you were to pay someone, yeah. um, I don't believe it ever makes 
true sense if the market stays static. Yeah. I think that if the market stays static, you, you never really come on, on yeah. top. And I'm saying yeah. this now as, as doing it professionally, mm. is that it, it doesn't make sense if, if the market doesn't, it doesn't move yeah. up. Yeah. But um, I think there's a, there's a certain amount of investment into it that if you buy it right, you can, mm. you can still come on top of it. Also, yeah. there's a different motivation to, to wanting to restore a car or put work into a car. Yeah. Because you'll know what what went into it, and you'll know what you have out of it. Yeah. When I did my restoration, you know, there were things that I I was taking cutting corners. Um, was I being cheap? No, I was being you know pragmatic about mm. it. I mean, taking mm. the paint off of my car was just not an issue. It was because I, I was not going to spend the money to redo it. Yeah. It certainly to to eighty five ninety percent of the world, the paint looks great. You yeah, know, to those yeah. who understand what paint is, they mm. can certainly see problems and blemishes sure, in the paint. They can sure. see that the rear window was never removed when they painted it. Mm. But, but again, those are things that I'm willing. I'm okay with living with it because yeah. it was a it was a car that I that I owned. I drove, and you know, mm. those that sometimes fault that, yeah. you know, what we do is we say, well, where's your Ferrari? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah, 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 if yeah. you're going to fault me for doing this, yeah. you know, I still have one that runs and drives and I've, I've put it together with my own hands and I'm proud of it. I yeah. mean, I'm not going to show it at a, at a, you know, at a top level concours, mm. but yeah. at the same time, um, you know, it's something that I'm, I'm proud of owning. So, yeah. so I made certain decisions to, to, uh, just, restored on a budget and i think that was also the popularity of it was that people could see um, most people could see that that uh, i was doing it because i was doing it on my own there yeah. were some people through the years that said boy you, you know you cheaped out on this and you cheaped out on that and i and i did pay for some of it where you you definitely said boy if i could have gone back and redo it i would have done it the, the right way but yeah you yeah. know look we we all make those decisions and and you know you have to you live with it and that's that's been fine and so, and i and i look back and say i'm very proud of the, the, my first car. In fact, mm. this car, you know, through the years of working on it, you know, gave me the skills to, to do what I do today. Cause I, I look at what I do now, um, mm. as uh, you know, I'm, I'm not only, you know, a, a person that works on cars, but on, on Ferraris, but I also look at it from perspective as an owner because I mm. own my car and I know mm. the struggles that an owner goes through to, yeah. to, to keep their car on the road and do to make those decisions. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I know with your car, I mean, you know, you, you've, you sort of, mechanically you literally had to do everything on that car you know you know there wasn't probably a thing yeah, that you to didn't save have money, to do and to save money what i did was i tried my best to be involved with everything i mean yeah. everything from the grunt work to standing in front of a wire wheel and, and taking you know uh corrosion and grease and dirt off of calipers and, and right. suspension arms and everything to send them out to the plate. i mean for yeah. hours yeah and hours yeah and hours <laughs> standing in front of a blast cabinet or in front but those are the things that, that that's the sweat equity that that you you get back from mm. from just doing your own car yeah um i, I also did other things where i you know the upholstery um i was just I, going to say oh, this, yeah i mean i was so impressed with that. yeah I mean, it's it's well what happened was i have this view of sometimes like how hard could it be or or at least i'd want to learn what it was and and at that point I think with, with the upholstery one and back in those days, you know, upholstery interior has certainly gotten more expensive, but I remember hearing a number of around $15,000, 10, mm. 10 to $15,000 new mm. interior. And I would sit there and said, 
my God, what do they do? You know, they stuff the seats <laughs> with gold. I mean, how can it be that expensive? So yeah. I, you know, and, and I was introduced to Francois Upholster and, and he and I became good friends and I couldn't get the job going because he, he was going to do me a favor. He's going to help discount some of the labor, but it was still going to be expensive to do mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. I remember just saying, how am I going to get this guy to start on my interior? The, the seats and, and interior pieces have been sitting there for months and, mm-hmm. and it wasn't going anywhere. And I know it's because he wasn't making a lot of money on my project. And yeah. I, I remember having this decision. I was like, well, I got to find a way to push this job forward. So I, I went to a shop and I offered, I said, look, Frank, I will come over and I will sweep your shop every day for a week (laughs) or two weeks if you will just put one hour into my seats, even if it's about one hour to disassemble it. I I will trade you eight hours of my time answering phones, doing whatever you want me to do, cleaning the toilet. Mm. I said, but uh, to buy back one hour, because if you don't have to clean the toilet and you don't have to sweep the shop, then you yeah. can put one hour onto my seat. Yeah. And, yeah. and he kind of bought into that. And what ended up happening was, as, as, uh, as I was there at the shop and I finished sweeping the shop, he would say, well, I'll show you how to take the seat apart. And he'd right. just take one apart and I would take one apart with him. And, and then right. as I finished that, I, he said, oh, well, I'll show you how to you know, take the door panels apart. And, and so then I went from sweeping the shop to actually doing the work of what, you know, with his guidance. Right. And, and, uh, and that's how it all started. Uh, now, I recognize there were certain points in which I couldn't do, which was the, mm. the skill of sewing a straight line or, yeah. or the skills of, of being able to copy seat covers. But mm. the fitting, the stretching, the, the, anytime I would give it a shot, yeah. And he, yeah. he would have let me do it. And, and I learned and, and I certainly, you know, if upholsters are listening, they certainly know the pains of pulling on leather where your, your hands are bleeding and you're trying to get things to stretch and yeah. all those things that, you know, as a newbie, I learned. And he, of course, toughened his hands to do those things, but I, mm-hmm. I learned it right along with him and, and really became, and I think the web also learned and appreciated what it went into doing a two plus two interior. The yeah. fact that there are six hides of leather, yeah. you know, it, that you have to buy to, to do, to fit into an interior and all the intricate details, the folds, the tucking, the, the, the mm. cutting, the, the trimming, the skiving, you know, and, and that's where you start to say, okay, I get it. I, yeah. I understand why it's so expensive. And, and I remember he, uh, getting to work on a Friday at his shop and he said, hey, somebody called me and they said something. And these guys are all old school craftsmen. Yeah. They don't know mm-hmm. anything about the Internet. They said, mm-hmm. Some guy called me. He said he looked me up from from something that you're doing, this website, what is this about? Because they, <laughs> they said that they wanted me to do their interior and they understood how expensive it was right. and, and they wanted me to do it. And, and he was kind of confused. And, and, and that's when I started to recognize, wow, so that's really helping his business because, mm. you know, we've just educated the consumer yeah. so that they understand why it's expensive. So, cause most guys have trouble trying to sell a business, you know, a, a mm. job because it's like, well, it's the same thing to me. Yeah. Why is it so expensive? What yeah. is it that you're doing that? You know, well, why is it that these other seats are so cheap? Yeah. And when they see what we did, they, they said, okay, well, these guys are doing that. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned about, yeah, you mentioned about educating the audience and I certainly was educated, you know, I mean, even to the, to the point of choosing the, the, the right foam. I mean, you know, it was something that previously I had never even thought about that, you know, you know, the, you know, the type of foam and the texture and the firmness and all that sort of things and making right. sure that because you, you, you just simply can't buy the original foam anymore. You know, you have to right. find the closest um, available foam to how the original one would have felt. 
um right you know and and all of that and the shaping of that and you know you you as as a, a general owner of a car somebody who doesn't get involved in the mechanical side of it you would just never appreciate any of those things you know and you know i can totally having right. read your blog i totally understand why it costs so much money. right my best my best analogy my best analogy and what i learned was that you know we we tend to brand things mm. you know we, we tend to brand luxury goods you know we, we tend to look at things like let's say gucci for example gucci mm. everybody says oh well that's worth you know several thousand dollars or whatever for a product and everything mm. well but at the same time Gucci didn't make its name just simply by saying we're Gucci and we're going to charge you this amount of money. Yeah. The, yeah. the reason why they be- got to their brand was because when their patterns were laid on their purses, mm. they lined up around the corners. Mm. Their stitching was perfect. Mm. Their, their, their craftsmen, their details, the way that bag initially was assembled was yeah. what gave them their name. Any craftsman, any product that you look at that's been branded, they mm. hopefully are built on quality and and the ability to do something better than all the competitors. But what happens is we've gotten so far removed that you can get a Gucci knockoff and not recognize, but you could spot one a million miles away because Mm. the patterns don't line up around the corners. The stitching is kind of off. But the, the fact of the matter is it's like, if you can be educated enough to understand the quality of what something is done and how it's manufactured, then you completely understand why it's worth paying a premium for something. Mm. You know, Ferraris to that matter, you know, there's a reason why they, they were expensive back then. Their engines are assembled so much, you know, better from what you could get in the 60s, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, as an example, my uh, compare it again to my Mustang, to my to my Ferrari. In the 60s, they were basically competitors, the same mm. layout, same design. I drive my Mustang on the highway above 75, 70 miles an hour. Mm. The air gets underneath it. It starts to get light. It starts to wander. You know, you kind of have to pay attention to keep it on the road. Yeah. You know, at 70 miles an hour in a Ferrari, it settles down. And yeah. it's ready to keep going. Yeah. The reason yeah. is because Ferrari drove those cars at those speeds. Mm. And if there was a problem aerodynamically or something, you know, in, in the characteristics of his driving, they fixed it. Yeah. Because that because they drove those cars at that speed. It was because designed they to go required, that speed. demanded yeah. that car to yeah. perform at that level. Yeah. That's what you're paying for. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're not paying for some stamped steel product that you know and not to say there's anything wrong with the Mustang, but mm. in the sixties yeah. that was the product that, that the American manufacturers found acceptable mm. of the level of craftsmanship. Yeah. But you know, for Ferrari and other manufacturers, they wanted a higher level. That's why you paid a premium for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see it nowadays as well with the with the sort of the current lineup and the current range. You know, um, you know, you can pick up a uh, a, t- a two seater, you know, coupe in sort of standard models and standard brands. You know, and you know they're good cars in their own right. But then you sort of jump into something like a four eight eight or you know the. the um, right. you know the uh, f12 as it is as the model's just going out and you know they those cars are you know just in a different league and you know you, you think sure. about how far we've come in terms of you know production and things like that and you know how production methods have been copied from one brand to another and still ferrari just stands out i mean it's you know they produce these cars right. that not only are beautiful to look at you know they sound amazing but technologically, they're superior. They're still superior. Sure. And, you know, it's the same every step of the way. I mean, I think that 
when when we look at how much things are controlled by the cost of things, you know, the, mm. there there are reasons why certain bodies don't look certain. You know, that they're they cut corners because mm. the 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 accountants in the in the in the manufacturers that they're say, well, that's just too expensive to make that one little fold yeah, or that yeah. one little wing or that one little thing. And you know, those compromises are are less so in in a car that's a luxury brand that says, look, we we don't want to compromise on that, and uh, mm. but we will put that cost unfortunately at the end of the product. But that's what you get when you won't make a compromise in whether it's design yeah. or engineering mm. or anything like that and, yeah. and and if it's another manufacturer would be more quick to take that to take that road of, of cost savings yeah. over over something that that uh, over compromise so, so 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 with your car um i mean I, I know a lot of the parts you had to fabricate as well i mean parts you, you just can't simply call ferrari and ask them for sure. a particular part because they just won't have it in stock anymore so well i felt like i had to up my game i think what, what when i worked on all since since high school working on cars you know mm. Most cars these days, you, you you get a catalog, you can order a part, and 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 you wait a couple of days, and it shows up. And shipping has gotten even easier and easier. Where globally, I can get anything from all over the world. Yeah. You know, ten ten years ago, twenty years ago, it was even harder. But but today, you know, any car you could practically order anything out of a out of a catalog. But mm. Ferrari is a little bit different. I mean, obviously because of the lower production. Um, you know, it's, it's just harder to get, yeah. uh, parts and, and some pieces you just, you needed to find where they were, who had them. It yeah. wasn't just a one-stop shopping place. And then whatever you couldn't get, you really had to decide if you were going to fabricate them. And, and I had to build my skill sets as I was, as I was learning from Francois, I, I, I had to learn how to machine things. I had to learn how to use a lathe, you know, and again, yeah. my background, I went to art school. Right. I never went to trade school. I never went to, you right. know, wasn't an engineer, wasn't, you know, just, and, and so all these skills, I felt that I was late to the game. I was 20 years too late. I should have started, you yeah. know, when I was a little kid yeah. doing that stuff. As much as I've been working on cars, I had mm. developed those skills. I, I recognized it was a whole nother bag of skills that I, I was lacking. And, and the only way to do it was to either learn how to do it or find those people that could. Yeah. Um, there were some skills that you just, I mean, I have metal fabricators that can take flat sheets of aluminum and, and make bodies out of them. Those skills are things that you, you basically need to spend a lifetime doing. Yeah, you can yeah. you can get 80% there, but what you need to make it 100% perfect, it mm. takes a lifetime. And, and there yeah. just wasn't enough lifetimes in my life to do that. So yeah, yeah. sometimes you need to hire those people. But at the same time, I learned what the difference was. And hanging around them, they I, I then learned how to spot yeah. like a good you know, a good metal fabricator or, 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 or a decent metal fabricator and then just an adequate metal fabricator. And, and so you had to choose who you needed to do what particular type of job. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you don't need to pay, you know, just like in anything, there's no reason to, to hire, uh, you know, a specialist physician to do a checkup, you know, yeah. you could use, yeah. you could get a regular physician to do a regular job. And that's true of every skill or, or craft. And so, I, um, I, anything that I could learn how to do and learn how to move my skills up a little bit, I, I kind of learned how to do it. I learned how to do upholstery to, to do most of it. Was I ever going to learn how to use a sewing machine? Mm. I, I could learn how to sew a few things, but not certainly a whole seat cover. Um, if I can fabricate, a a, a you know, a, a switch or a knob on a, on a lathe, absolutely. I, I learned how to do that. I learned how to get plastic pieces that can turn pieces of aluminum and, and knobs and shift knobs and things like that. But if it was about, you know, doing something for an engine piece, maybe I should hire a better guy, but at least I could recognize what skills I needed to get that job done. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was every part of it was, 
was part of that experience. And, you know, to kind of circle back a little bit, as I'm doing this, mm-hmm. and I think we, we do understand with the blog, I was really excited to share it with everybody. I mean, yeah. if if I were learning something new, I, I couldn't wait to, you know, I actually really look forward to sharing it because as much as I didn't hear back from a lot of people, I did get enough emails from people to say they enjoyed it or they would give mm. me their pointers. Or yeah, And yeah. and it was just kind of because at that time, especially early on, there's so many websites out there that were just talking about really not really great content. I mean, lots of uh, websites that talk about how much they love Ferrari or this or that. and mm. But like there was nobody... There, there really isn't anybody that tells you how to pull a gearbox out of a Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, there, there's nobody that tells you how to like, you know, what, wh- how did it come out, you know, mm. or where did it, what is, what is this, the, the dirty underbelly of all this stuff? Everything is kind of like pictures of, of cars on, on, uh, you know, shows and, mm. and all shiny and new and everything yeah. and, and, and brochures. But I was getting down to the underbelly of it and, and that I was kind of excited about it. And, and I, it was excited to share that kind of stuff with it yeah. because there really wasn't anything out there. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. in, in, in the, in the, you know, early two thousands. And, and, um, and so, so that was, that was fun. That was mm. fun to, to get that information out there. I think that, that, um, yeah, I mean, you know, one, one thing I, 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 sorry, one thing I'd, mm-hmm. I would add is that, you know, it's, you know, obviously when, when, when your car was new, you know, or, or sort of, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, there was no internet in those days. So whereas today, you know, if we want to search for 458 or 488, you know, there's going to be tons of information that's going to be on the internet forever. Um, But Mm -hmm. in terms of the older models, you know, the 60s, 70s, the 50s and 40s, you know, those models, you know, it's only what we have on there now that is there, you know, and, you know, you've, you've really done the, the Ferrari community a great service in the sense of actually, you know, documenting all of that, because otherwise we just wouldn't have it. I mean, it just would not be available. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I thank you for that. I just feel, I wish that we we had more, but I definitely recognize, you know, it was a duty that I had to do because I, I know I've become friends with a lot of the old guard Mm. for vintage Ferrari simply because I, I guess they perceive me as one of the young guys, although I don't feel as young as I used to. Right. (laughs) I, uh, they recognize me as one of the young guys that are coming into this and Mm. all these old timers, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, they all have notebooks. They all have like little handwritten notes that they've kept and they're filing cabinets. Yeah. Those are never going to be digitized. Yeah. Those, those notes are going to disappear because, they just they they were not i mean as much as they're on the internet they did find me yeah i just i just started to recognize that that if i could get some of that information and 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 put it out there permanently then Mm. then we've we've done the community some benefit but i also recognize that these guys are not because they want to keep secrets it's just because it wasn't something that they shared they would have Mm. faxed each other the information they would have mailed it i have notes and showing email, uh, just regular snail mail letters that people sent to each other to talk about stuff. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, and, it was really important to try to put that out there. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the reason why we started, uh, FerrariHub.com as well, because, you know, we wanted to sort of preserve a lot of this information, you know, build sort of this, because there's a lot of Ferrari fans out there like myself, you know, who are, you know, just, you know, want Ferrari content. And, you know, that's the reason why we, we've pulled it together, you know, with the articles and the model details and things like that. Um, you know, and, you know, and the podcasts as well, you know, so, you know, having these, you know, these great conversations with different people in the Ferrari industry and, 
you know it's it's you know quite often you go to car shows and you meet people and you have these conversations but that's sort of a one-on-one conversation you know and there's right. so many people who you know will, will not have those conversations with you know with 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 everybody like i'm sure there's been plenty of people who have been to car shows where you've been there and they've not actually had the opportunity to speak to you um you know or sure. you know or anybody else you know so it's really and sort i think of your catch- idea of trying I, I agree i think your idea of trying to get some more information where you can keep it in one place and, yeah. and pull it all together is great as opposed to because it as much as it's great to have the internet it it, it it's a it's daunting to have to search the whole wide internet to find yeah. someone yeah. or to find that that particular thing and 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 you know anybody who's willing to to take that together and, and try to compile it will, will certainly help it yeah. um I mean, you know we, i used to we say certainly that certain could, places it, sorry i was just going to say I mean, we, we certainly couldn't um you know, be be that for for all sectors. I mean, you know, for so for example, you know, in the classic sector, I mean, I would consider you mm-hmm. as probably one of the most knowledgeable people out there on the internet. Um, you, know, you know, but sometimes I always say, just being the loudest doesn't mean you're the smartest. So I certainly <laughs> don't want to sell that too much. I am one of the loudest, but I just because there's nobody else louder, it doesn't necessarily mean I know that much more. But I'm only yeah. I'm happy to learn and I'm happy to share. Sure, you know, yeah. and, that, and that's what it is. Is I always feel like if any, if anybody ever sees anything. Wrong, with what i'm doing i'm always open to hearing it because you know we're, we're all not you know we're not the the end all say all of of, of uh, any of this stuff and sure. but i think that if we all add together then then uh, you know it makes for a better a better place definitely definitely so so uh, back back to your car i mean how long did it actually take before you were uh, able to sort of turn wheel and take the car for a drive i mean it was, <laughs> it was quite a while I, yes yes i remember i put a post out when it was, uh, I mean, you know, we all followed along to the, to, there's this particular post in which it was like, there, there are certain milestones, you know, mm-hmm. first time I fired the engine up, you yeah, know, and I, yeah. and I did a video of it. So the, yeah. so the engine fires up. Okay. Well, that's a big milestone. Sure. First time I was able to take it for a drive. Yeah. And, and then it's, at what point is it that you say that the car is actually done? Mm. I think from the time I actually took it out for its first drive, I think it was eight years. Wow, <laughs> it was eight years gosh. from the day I bought it to the, to the time <laughs> that I got to drive it. Wow. Uh, you know, far, far, uh, you know, far longer than the one year that I thought it was going to take. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but I was, you know, it was a great moment. It really, you know, that really inspires you to keep going. Mm. Um, then there were certain milestones in which, you know, some people would say, well, that's not done yet because you don't have, you know, the interior done or you don't have that sure. done or you don't sure. have that done. But, yeah. you know, after that initial drive, then, then it was just a matter of sorting things out and, and yeah. getting and and then I think with the vintage Ferrari, when is it actually ever really done? I yeah, mean, I'm yeah. always tinkering with it. Yeah. You know, uh, we're always dealing with something or another um, every year. Mm. Um, some people have accused me that I enjoy working on the car more than I enjoy driving it. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, you know that that's just the nature of of having an old car, and also yeah. an old yeah. car that you know has a, a history on it that that you you're not sure so. You know, having to overcome some of the obstacles and stuff, you're you're, you're kind of circling back sometimes to fix those things that you should have done one sure. way or another back in those days. But you're doing it a better now that I know what I'm doing. Yeah, um, yeah. I keep worrying about the day that I know what's going to happen. I hopefully not soon, but because I'm so busy with everything else, is that mm-hmm. you know it, I probably should repaint it. Probably should go look at the bodywork and and do yeah. it the right way. Yeah. But uh, that's one of those undertakings. Like, can I really stomach doing that? Yeah. I think back in those days, and uh, Andy, you're you're kids probably about my child's age but if i had tried to do this before my daughter was born i don't mm. think i would have done it yeah i mean i needed yeah. to devote a large amount of time to do this project and yeah and um you know it just happened at a 
perfect time in my life um, before uh, children that, that mm-hmm. uh, I was able to, to do this. And yeah. so, you know, a project like that, especially if you're taking it on by yourself, is, is uh, you know, it takes a lot of time. You yeah. know, and and yeah. uh, not not insurmountable, but just dedication. So uh, you just need to figure out what time of your life that you can, you know, you could devote that much time to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, I've, I've, um, uh, I've worked on my own, uh, the 456M, I worked on that uh, quite a lot um, and sort of gave it a complete major mechanical overhaul, you know, changing everything, all the fluids, suspension, um, gearbox, uh, fluids, filters, everything, you know, really sort of spent, I think about five, four or five months on that car. Um, and that was just mm-hmm. servicing. I mean, that was a running car. And, uh, you know, I was going on a road trip and decided, oh, it'd be a good idea to sort of do the cam belts and change the oils. And then, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. expanded out from there. Um, sure. But, you know, it, it is that dedication. It is sort of spending that time, you know, sort of, you know, weekend after weekend. And, you know, there was times when I just didn't want to do it. And, you know, it's like, oh, if I don't go and do this now, it's just not going to get done. Um so you know, I I can imagine eight years of doing that, and and just to also just 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 for the audience's purposes, I mean, eight years. I mean, you were spending you know every Friday more or less on that. I mean, you could not right. condense that down by sort of working continuously on it because so many parts you were waiting on. You know, you were having to right. send them out, get them fabricated, or get them plated, and you know that right. in itself would take you know weeks and weeks or months and months. You know, so you know. Sure. It, there was there was a lot of lot of activity in between. I mean, it wasn't a case of you were just working one day a week on the car. I mean, because you were posting sure. sort of three four times a week, you know, and you know, so you were actually sure. doing things on the about the vehicle outside of that Friday. Really, Friday was really your hands on day. I mean, the other days were all... sure. No, it's it's definitely it, it's a little obsessive. I mean, there are times mm-hmm. that you just have to be immersed in it all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, you you're uh, you know my day job. Whenever I had a moment, I was on the phone with somebody. You know, mm-hmm. trying to order a part. Or, yeah. you know, and again, same thing back in the very beginning, not a lot of internet, you know, yeah. a lot of these online places, they didn't have online stores. Sure, They were sure. still phone calls. They were still part numbers. They were still, you couldn't do searches for things. So, yeah. um, you know, and that goes for all the models. I mean, not even just vintage Ferrari, because now vintage Ferrari, you know, we have some great suppliers now that are digitizing mm-hmm. their catalogs so that you can actually order it online, you know, and, and vintage Ferrari parts, you yeah. know, um, you know, as an example, Marinella concessionaires in the UK, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they're digitizing there, you know, there's a lot of digi- digital, you know, and, and a lot of the suppliers in the States are also, but yeah. back those days, you didn't have any of that stuff. You, no. you, you had to call them on the phone, describe them the part, you mm-hmm. know, get your caliper out, yeah. measure it. I still do that with some of my suppliers. I still, you know, I order a seal. I, there's, yeah. I can give them the part number, but you double check with a caliper and you're yeah. measuring things. So yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when I was doing it back in, in those days, it's, it's like you're, it seems like an ancient history. But in the, as far as the Internet growth is concerned and how we deal with our cars, it was ancient history and, and we, um, you measured everything and you, and you drew pictures and you faxed stuff and yeah, that's how you yeah. got apart. So yeah. yeah, it was all the time. It was, it was, uh, always, and I would plan my week. So, because I knew that I was going to be hands on Friday, I'd mm. have to make sure that UPS was delivered by Thursday or, or by Wednesday or that, you know, whatever part I needed was in my hand. So when I arrived on Friday, I'd be working. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it, and so many, it really so many times, a it lot didn't, of them. yeah, so many times it just, just, just didn't arrive. And, you know, you were then sort of having to think, yep. okay, well, what am I going to do this week now? And you have to reschedule your, yep. your Friday. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it was, it was, uh, it was great. I mean, like I said, it, 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 if, if I knew now, <laughs> then mm. I don't know if I would have done as much of it, but again, 
I think that that ignorance is what spurs you on. I think if you look at the bigger picture of things, they look so insurmountable. But yeah. but if you don't look at it that way and you look at it as the task at hand in front of you, mm. it's a lot easier to handle that. And and I always looked at it like if you looked at a thousand hours or it's kind of like moving a whole mountain of, of yeah. rubble, if you move it one at a time, yeah. that mountain eventually gets smaller. It, mm. it, it has to. It is, it is impossible for it not to. But it only happens one rock at a time. Yeah. And and uh, that that's what it really comes down to. It, 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 it's like you, you put that task at hand and you just put your head down and do it. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, it'll it'll get done. Sometimes it takes longer than others, but it, it, it's, it's, I think... As a personal achievement, it, it's rewarding. I think even the same thing with with your car. If you mm. if you looked doing a major service, at the end of the day, it may have taken you months and months to do it, but mm. you did your own major service. Yeah. You know, we live in a life where we we a lot of our jobs these days don't really reward us in in, in yeah. really concrete achievements. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we we it's hard to to quantify what we do for a living, mm. but when you can sit there and get in your car and drive it and said, boy, when I started, this car wasn't driving. You know? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, or, exactly. You know, it didn't have an old, it had an old cam belt. In it, yeah. and it now has a new one. And I did that. And, yeah. You know, that's, that's really rewarding in a, in a time like this where we don't really have a lot of stuff to show or, yeah. or we we're such a small cog in the whole machine of, mm. of achievement that, that when you come home and you can do something and say, well, I, I did that. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's, yeah. that's a great thing. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I can certainly relate to a lot of that. So um, yeah, no, that's brilliant. So, so you've now moved away from um, uh, what, what you did before and you, you were a, a sound engineer, I remember, was it on the David Letterman? Yeah. Show? Yeah. I used yeah. to, I worked in television. So that, okay. that helped me have a job where I worked at a, a you know, at a live TV show that we did, mm. we did tapings four days a week. Right. And um, what, what I did was, uh, you know, I was able to get that Friday off. And yeah. I think this whole process of working on this car changed my life. Mm. I mean, without sounding, you know, uh, hokey about it all, I was that I, I, um, through the years of putting this car together, I started to sit there and look, I loved what I did. I, I had a very good job in, yep. in television, exciting. Um, it, it, and, but at, at the same time, I still had this passion for cars. I mean, mm. I, like I said, every day at work, yeah. they knew it or yeah. not, I yeah. was chasing cars and buying or, or buying parts. And, and I really look forward to doing that. And then at the same time, learning that my boss had this skill that, that no one was learning. And I was really yeah. certain to recognize that what he had, if it disappeared, no, it was going to go with him because mm. he had no children and nobody to pass it on to. It was right. just a small private shop. Yeah. And I said, you know, I might not be the guy who should carry on his torch, but if no one else is listening, then it is my duty to mm. listen. Yeah. And and, yeah. and that's kind of how I ended up thinking about what it is I wanted to do. I, I don't know if any of us sit there and says we are going to be the next one. Mm. And I and I still don't believe that. But I believe that no one else is out there listening and no one else out there is doing what it, he he needs someone. There's a responsibility to what he's learned uh, to, to kind of preserve that. And, and so I, I started to really think about possibly leaving my job and, and, and working for him and, and doing this for a living, working on Ferraris and yeah. only vintage Ferraris for that matter, because mm. we're very focused in, in what he does and that has done for, for 40 some odd years. Yeah. So when, when I completed my car, uh, you know, things just happen in life. You know, the, mm. the you, you're, uh, my daughter was born. I was ready to leave Manhattan. I was kind of done with my job. My wife was supportive of it. She was ready to leave her professional career and mm. everything just kind of fell in place. And people have often said, you know, 
wow, you're really lucky to have done that. So I always feel like, well, if you're given the same set of circumstances that was presented to me at that time, I would imagine you would have done the same thing. Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't believe it was that hard of a decision when you're, when, when all those things just laid out in front of you. I mean, it, it's almost yeah. like the path was there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just a matter of me taking it. And, and so I, I found myself basically quitting, quitting my job, mm-hmm. um, uh, sold, sold my place in New York city and, <clears throat> and moved into our weekend home, which was closer to, to, uh, you know, I was able to downsize and, mm. and close enough to, to Francois shop where that's what I did. It was, you know, was not an easy transition necessarily, but it was certainly something that I could afford to do. And, and, and we did and, and, uh, just recognized also that the blog would then at least expose me to, people who also wanted to have the same work done on their cars and, and that that would help Francois's business and that sure. it, it kind of all worked out. Um, it's uh, been about 10 years since I've done that transition and um, we're, we're keeping busy. Uh, I, he's still doing it. He's, he's in his late seventies. <laughs> wow. He still en- enjoys <laughs> it. Um, but I also believe that um, our relationship is great. It's mm. just the two of us really working on the cars yeah, I feel has a benefit to him if I can do the heavy lifting. Yeah, then it allows him to continue doing something that he actually loves doing. Yeah, and yeah. um, and then he can continue teaching me. I I learn all the time. I can and, imagine. And the thing is, if I can continue him teaching me, then I then it's worth my mm-hmm. uh, coming and doing the work. You know, yeah. some of the things in the business that he doesn't enjoy. It's sometimes the the day to day drudgery of explaining to customers the problems or 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 trying to get parts and and all those things of billing and invoicing, if, if I can take some of that over, yeah. then, then um, it, it allows him to do the things that he absolutely loves. He loves racing. He, mm. he, loves, um, you know, he loves working on, on the mechanical things side of it. So yeah. uh, it, I think it works out really well. And, yeah. and, um, just, just, it, a, just as an I observation, also, sorry, just as an observation, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, I look at you and you know, you've, you've kind of always taken the harder option. I mean, you, you know, you bought the car, it was in pieces, you know, it wasn't an easy job to put it back together, but you took the harder option there. And, you know, you then, you didn't have to document the whole process on, on the internet. And I imagine at times it was more, not, I don't want to use the word chore, but, you know, more difficult, you know, because of time pressures and things like that, you know, and then also to move, you know, from the career that you're in into this, you know, which isn't, um, you know, which, which in itself is not an easy task to do, you know, to, to, to do career change and things like that. But you've kind of followed, you know, your, your, you know, what you love and, you know, you know, you know, we've certainly been, you know, entertained by that, you know, through the blog, um, you know, and, you know, with regards to, you know, Francois' customers as well, you know, they've benefited from having you in there, you know, uh, because I know with these older cars, you know, getting the right person to work on it can, you know, you know, it takes a long time, you know, um, you have to join the queue almost, you know, so I had to have you join his team, you know, has meant that, you know, they, that he's benefited from that increased capacity as well of having you on board. So, you know, it's it's a you know you you've you've done you know you've done a lot for the community and obviously obviously continuing to do that through um, um you know through working with Francois as well. Um, I, I had no but idea that Francois really was is, in his seventies. You know, yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely up there in age, and and uh, you know, and, and but at the same time, you know, he he's he's the same type. He's passionate about what he he mm. he does, and yeah. 
And, uh, you know, why stop doing something that you love? I think people look at a certain age and say, oh, I should be retiring. It's like, I think, sure. you know, especially here in the States, you know, we, we're, we're saddled with this idea that, you know, you're supposed to retire. Mm. But, you know, I think that a lot of people are mistaken into thinking, well, if you like what you do, why are you going to stop what you're absolutely. doing to do something that you that you have no idea how to do, which yeah. is do nothing? Yeah, you absolutely. Know? <laughs> I just feel like, you know, people look, they spend their whole lives thinking about the day they want to retire. They don't spend a minute thinking of the day after they retire. Yeah. If they yeah. actually liked what they do, why would they want to quit? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that, but, but I also believe that there are very few people that do what they really are passionate That's about. True. I mean, I think very I made true. that decision yeah. very early, not early on, but that was one of the deciding factors in my life, which mm. was just that, um, you know, I could do what I, you know, moderately love um, for the rest of my life and yeah. I could retire at it. Um, yeah. Or I could do something that I really, really liked. Yeah. And and maybe not ever stop doing it. And and I just decided that I would rather do something I really like, yeah. not necessarily for any monetary gain, not for any necessarily anything of that matter. In fact, I probably lost more of it when I when I left a, mm. a full time job and, and everything else with its benefits. But I just felt like, you know, you 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 have choices in life that, that you want to you know, want to pursue to, to be happy and, you know, may fail at it, but I would sure. rather fail than not try. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm very fortunate and I recognize how fortunate I am to have that opportunity yeah. and it's a disservice not to take that opportunity because it was presented to me. That, but even that, if you're presented with that opportunity, you, 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 you know, it's a disservice to, to yeah. anybody else who were given the same opportunity not to take yeah. it. Tom, I can't believe how long we've been speaking for. I mean, I could speak to you for hours and hours. Um, so I really want to thank you for um, uh, for joining me on this uh, podcast. Um, one of the things that I'm asking all my guests, because we've got a... Uh, we've got listeners out there of various ages and various backgrounds. You know, some of them are Ferrari owners and some of them aspire to be Ferrari owners in the future. Um, so one of the things that we're going to do on this podcast um, is ask each um, person who I interview, you know, if there's any advice, whether it's um, sort of business advice or personal advice that you can give um, to our listeners out there, something that you've learned along the way. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I mean, I, first of all, thank you very much for having me. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And obviously, I can talk forever about, about something that I, that I love to do. But, uh, you know, but if I if I certainly do want to give something back is just to say that, you know, this car taught me the car, the car, you know, the Ferraris and, and everything is an example of a lot of things that anybody is passionate about. I, I think that, you know, the, the Ferrari restoration, the, the job, the path that I took is, is definitely a you know a metaphor for life in the sense of like you know you're gonna have these obstacles in front of you if you have a desire for something and you figure out the way to do it i mean it's, it's mm. just really about it's it's one step at a time you know if, if if there's a problem with a car or a problem in life you know don't look at the bigger picture of it just look at the task at hand and and solve it um yeah. if, and, if, and, and if the solution isn't you know in one direction change the direction mm. and be willing to be you know to be fluid about it and and I think that at, at the end of the day, some things you'll succeed at and some things you'll fail at. Failure is not the, a, a failure in the bigger sense. Failure is just a, a, a path that changes your path to another direction. Um, yeah. and, and as long as it's just forward you know, direction, then, then you're ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I can relate to it and uh, also learn from it as well. So uh, there you go. It's absolutely. Great advice. 
Tom, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I mean, it's been fascinating hearing uh, your story about the car. Um, I, I feel that we could talk about so much else with with regards to the um, um, classic uh, Ferrari um, world. So, you know, perhaps we have another conversation, um, you know, specifically around that. Um, but thank well, you very I'd much. be happy to do it. That is great. Thank you very great. much. Well, thank Tom. you, Andy. Cheers. Take thank care. you. Wow, wow, wow. And what a great interview that was with Tom Young. I just wanted to say, Tom, first of all, thank you very much for all your time. Um, I mean, we, we recorded for quite a considerable amount of time there, but in reality, we actually spoke for probably another half an hour, 45 minutes uh, before we even started the interview, just because we started diving into things. And I said I had to actually stop Tom and said, say, look, I'm not actually recording any of this. Maybe we should actually start the interview. So uh, it was it was great to hear um, all the the knowledge and sort of sharing all that knowledge with us, uh, letting us know about your experience because a lot of us are going to be going through similar sort of experiences with cars that we might buy now or might have now or might buy in the future. So it's been great to sort of hear that first-hand experience from you. As always, show notes can be found on ferrarihub.com forward slash EP4. Finally, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do go to iTunes subscribe to our channel and also leave us a, uh, a rating as well. I mean, we'd love to receive a five-star rating. Um, if you think we can make improvements, just let us know and we'll be happy to incorporate those in. Uh, do leave us comments too. Always happy to receive comments or you can email us directly at info at ferrarihub.com. That's it for now. Ciao.